You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Your co-host, Danny. Fans, we got a good show for you today. First, we'll go into a little bit about the NBA Summer League. Uh, then we'll go into a little bit about baseball. And then we'll get into a trading car scenario for you. But first, Danny, to the NBA Summer League and where it is coming down to the end for the Summer League. And the hoopla, the big hype, Victor, and the San Antonio Spurs, when Biyama played in two games, uh, didn't impress so much in the first game. Could be, could have been because of all the off-court hysteria. Mm-hmm. Britney Spears and the security uh, detail that Victor had. Uh, but the second game, he did come back and impress the fans. Danny, uh, summer league. Uh, I think was just that. It was a summer league, not a whole lot of defense, uh, trying out a couple of things here and there. Um, obviously, the announcement of the in-season tournament, which we talked about in our previous podcast. But nonetheless, Danny, I think it's something to be said about the the future great playing in the summer league uh, and not being afraid to showcase their talent and to also compete. Uh, but I think Danny Victor shows something in, in my opinion where this young kid who is seven three uh, with a huge wingspan. I mean, I haven't really haven't seen people block a shot from the three point attempt, and he is going to be a problem defensively on the wing. Down low is going to be interesting because I could see a lot of players really tried to test him out in his strength. Mm-hmm. But I think as he gets older and as he pick, picks up weight naturally, uh, I think that is going to uh, help him down the line. Um, I think teams are going to try to figure him out. I think I would put him at the four. I can't, uh, even though he's that tall, mm-hmm. I'll be afraid to put him at the five against uh, beefier, sturdier, uh, players down low, especially. Uh, so I, I think I may put them at the four, Danny. But nonetheless, man, this summer league was intriguing to start off with. Um, kind of fizzled out, in my opinion, towards the end here. Championship games are tonight, but interesting all the way around. What say you about the summer league, Danny? I think it was nerves too with Victor. That man, you got all this pressure, people. People need to quit, man, putting all this pressure on this guy and just let him play because it'll happen organically like with any other player. He's a young player. He's coming into a different league because the game is different in the NBA versus uh, the league he's playing in now and the adjustment, you know, to the culture, just all these different factors involved where over time he'll be fine, but I think it's just – these expectations on him, man, are just unfair, in my opinion. I think they just need to chill and just let him play because they're just trying to set him up for failure. 
he's he's like a taller Giannis coming into the league, but he has more skill. So transforming his body like Giannis did, I don't know if that's in the cards. Uh, we'll see what San Antonio does. They did sh- shut him down after that second game. Obviously, they don't want him getting hurt because he is the franchise now. You know, think about him like a Tim Duncan uh, where he has that type of impact, if not more, if all goes well for him. And it was exciting to see him play, man. It was all the buildup. And then, you know, actually see him out there doing what he was doing. And that second game, you kind of – you saw him get comfortable. So, that was good. And then a couple other things just of note. So, Scoot Henderson, Eamon Thompson got injured in the same game, in the first game of the Summer League, where it was unfortunate because, you know, they cut their Summer League – it was their first game. And – you really didn't get to see them showcase their skill set over the whole duration of time. But luckily, the injuries seem where they'll be ready for training camp and everything. So they should be okay there. But it was the second year players that actually showing up and showing out is Jabari Smith Jr. and Chet Holmgren. Where you look at Oklahoma City, they have a, a was he, number two pick? Yeah. And he didn't play. So you got another draft pick coming in technically that bolsters your lineup. Uh, I know he didn't really shoot like from the three really well, but just his overall game, he put on some, a little muscle, you know, cause to Holmgren, is very, he was wiry thin. So just to see him, you know, actually playing, he had the foot injury last year, put him out all year. And then Jabari Smith, man, he played with some confidence. So if Houston can get him going next year. They they got some they got some uh they got some talent some young talent that Emi Udoka can really build upon. So it was it was an all in all good, but like you said, it's winding down now. Now now we're waiting for the the pros to get started. Mm-hmm. So great off season, great summer league. Like I said, some injuries cut some people short that we I wanted to see, but all in all, pretty good. And Danny, let me just say for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think it was good to see Bochamp really, really do something here in the summer league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his summer with Giannis in Greece uh, helped out in terms of his confidence. Uh, but nonetheless, man, I think Bochamp is going to be a real key piece here. Uh, and I think with new coaching staff, I think they're going to really put a premium on de- developing players. Uh, and so I'm really, really intrigued to see what happens uh, moving forward with Bochamp. Uh, and then they also uh, had Andre Jackson Jr. Uh, be, uh, to showcase his talents in the summer league here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, more so a defensive-minded player, it seems like, though. Uh, he six um, six, a wing that can defend. Uh, which is something that I think we definitely need moving forward. Um, offensively, not quite there yet, but I think that's where the development kind of comes into play, quite honestly. So it's going to be interesting to see how he really uh, translates into the NBA. I can see him probably be being in the G League here, um, mm-hmm. just to get some uh, playing time um, in Dahl and kind of you know really develop in that program. Uh, but we'll see what happens there, Dan. I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to see Bochamp out there, whether he's going to be in a starting lineup or if he's going to come right off the bench. Uh, I think with the Bucks, they're looking at trade scenarios, possibly with Grayson Allen. 
Uh, I can see when Grayson does get traded, I can see Bochamp stepping into that starting role. Um, so uh, keep your eye out on that development of Bochamp. What say you, Danny? I agree, Jason. I think one thing, too, that will be key for Bochamp is consistently knocking down that outside shot. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw flashes last year when he actually played where he could hit it. It's just being consistent, right? And it's hard, too, sometimes where you're not getting your consistent minutes. Everything's up and down, and, you know, you're trying to prepare, but you play basketball, I play basketball. It's If it's not consistent, it's hard, you know, to get in a, in a groove and uh, find your way. So I think with him having a, a nice offseason, there's some nice expectations on him where if he doesn't start, at least he's going to be in that, those first couple and come off the bench and actually – uh, lead that bench with some of the other veterans they have on the team. So I think it's shaping up well for him. And I agree with Andre Jackson. I think he, he'll he be a G-leaguer to start, but I think down the line, he'll be someone else that could actually contribute depending on how some of these contracts go uh, over the next year or two. And now, Danny, on to a little baseball news where the Milwaukee Brewers are on a hot streak here. There's some other teams on our high street. I got mentioned the Braves and, you know, some other teams, but I'm mentioning the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers have faced off against the Cincinnati Reds right before the All-Star break and immediately thereafter, and they have been on fire. Mm -hmm. They now lead in the division by two games over the Cincinnati Reds, and I think a lot of this has to do with one of the comments that was made by – uh, pitcher Corbin Burns and where uh, from what he has heard uh, the Brewers are actually trying to win baseball games. Now there were some rumors prior to the season starting that the Brewers may look to trade a lot of the players and look to uh, in a sense tank or really kind of lose here but man the Brewers have led a division or been in the top two, three in the division. They have now surfaced to the top. Uh, and this is even after Cincinnati Reds, like what was it, 9, 10, 11 game win streak and all. Mm -hmm. uh, the Brewers have prevailed here and now lead the division. So, Danny, we'll see what happens here. But I think this is the Brewers' last good shot here um, to really – do something not only in the division but in the playoffs and the National League. What say you about these Milwaukee Brewers? Jason, the pitching came through, or especially after the last three where they uh, swept the Reds. And then Yelich is actually hitting the ball too. So he's making contact. <laughs> and yeah, no kidding, huh? But the thing is, this month is tough for them because they play the Phillies who are not a bad team. And you got Atlanta and Cincinnati again. So they got a gauntlet coming up. And if they can get through that, I would say just 500, that sets them up well going into August and then, you know, into, you know, September. And you know how that can go sometimes for some of these teams because all of a sudden here comes St. Louis out of nowhere. So that's where I think if they can maintain over these next couple of weeks against these tough squads, at least play 500 ball and stay within a couple of games in, in case they do fall back out of the first place spot, 
as long as they're around there, I think they'll be okay. And like I said, if the pitching can stay as as it is, I think they'll be in good shape, man. So I'm looking forward. I'm definitely looking forward to that Brave series because that's going to be one where that would more or less show kind of where they're at because Atlanta is just on a different level. Fire. Right I have to admit, Atlanta's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I hope some of that rubs off on my Atlanta Falcons, but I, I digress. Here we go, but, man. <laughs> but Atlanta's on fire. So if if they can play Atlanta tough, that'll be good for them to give them some confidence to know that um, they can f- finish this out strong. But like I said, Cincinnati is going to be there because they're playing well and they shut them down. That was a great series um, before, this, before the break and then, you know, after the break and they've won seven of ten. Let's see what they can do and keep it going. And then just as we're talking about baseball here, I definitely have to mention the HBCU Swingman Classic that was uh, headed up by uh, Ken Griffey Jr. right before uh, All-Star Weekend and All-Star Festivities. And this was uh, an opportunity to showcase HBCU talent. Uh, And know there's a few uh, members from uh, my uh, swag winning uh, champions, uh, that being the Florida A&M University Rattlers uh, baseball team winning it all in the swag. Uh, going against the Florida Gators, uh, where they ultimately uh, lost, but nonetheless, man, had a great showing against the Gators. Um, but let me just say, there were a few um, team members from that championship squad to participate in the HBCU uh, Classic, Swingman Classic. And this was just uh, a great opportunity to showcase uh, some talent, but nonetheless, man, kind of helped fuel the pipeline for uh, minority players uh, going into uh, baseball. And so uh, what an opportunity this was. And I just have to say kudos to Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, and and really uh, helping to spearhead this this initiative, but it's backed by baseball. Uh, and so well, again, what a great opportunity! What say you, Danny, about this Swingman Classic? I agree, Jason. It's another opportunity to showcase the talent, to show that these kids can play, man. Mm-hmm. And, it's, mm-hmm. You know, this kind of following the football where it can get some traction. It can just keep, you know, just keep moving along, moving forward. Awesome to see Ken Griffey out there doing his thing, you know, and stepping up to the plate, no pun intended, put his name on this. And the, the Griffey family has been in the league for how many years, right? With Ken Griffey oh, Sr., the Ken Griffey mm-hmm. Jr., I Equated to what Dion did at Jackson State from the and the voice he was trying to put on, hey guys, they should be drafted just as much as anybody else. What's the deal here? So he's putting his name on it and trying to give a voice to them. No, it was great, man. It was great to see. And it was and just to let everybody know here, so Ken Griffey Jr.'s son, Tevin, is uh, a rattler. Uh, where he's a cornerback, uh, the interesting dynamic there. But nonetheless, man, this is just a great opportunity for HBCUs uh, and players 
at HBCUs to get showcased. Yep. Uh, and Danny, just as we talk about Ken Griffey Jr., I think we have an interesting trading card scenario. Who we got? So Jason, our trading card scenario tonight is Ken Griffey Jr.'s 1989 Upper Deck Rookie Card or Ronald Acuna Jr.'s 2018 Panini Prism Rookie Card. A couple quick bios. Ken Griffey Jr. was drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the first round of the 1987 MLB Amateur Draft. 13-time All-Star, MVP, 10-time Gold Glove, Hall of Famer. Uh, career, over his career, he batted 284, 630 home runs, 1,836 RBIs, and 184 stolen bases. Hey, Ronald Acuna signed with the Braves as an international free agent back in 2014, and he's a four-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year. His career so far, he's batted 286, has 143 home runs, 354 RBIs, and 150 stolen bases. So, Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? Danny, this was just a, a treat to research on, man. I can't, I can't even lie. Brings a smile to my face um, to do anything, you know, Griffey wise here, man. The fans know where I'm going with this, man. For you fans who don't know who King Griffey Jr. is, I highly recommend y'all go out to YouTube, look at some of these highlights. But I'm going directly to the 1995 American League Divisional Series against the Yankees, in where King Griffey Jr. had five home runs in the series. But more importantly, that last game that went, what, 11 innings? Mm -hmm. And... Griffey singles to left field, which automatically puts him on first and then um, pushes another uh, player to third. Edgar Martinez comes up. He hits the ball. Run comes in. What happens? Ken Griffey Jr. comes all the way from first. Beats, beats the throw, slides in, wins the game. Incredible series. Crowd goes nuts. I think everybody was going nuts. Who's watching that game, man? Earlier in that series, he hits two home runs in a game, one off of David Cohn, where it goes upper deck in Yankee Stadium. Come on, man. You can't make this up. <laughs> you cannot make this up, man. And everybody was rooting for Griffey mm -hmm. because he did it the right way. There was no doubt that Ken Griffey Jr. He didn't do drugs. He, he, even though it was in that steroid mm -hmm. era or whatever, you knew he did it the right way. Um, not only that, but came after his father, had the opportunity to play with his father. Mm -hmm. But he earned every bit of his kudos, every bit of his accolades he earned. And who can forget the swing, man? That was one of the sweetest swings in baseball history. Mm -hmm. But also what was great in baseball history was the backwards hat, <laughs> how he wore it. With the diamond, diamond stud in it, come on, diamond stud in his ear, come on, man. Baseball hadn't seen anything like that before, man, mm -hmm. back then. And so with that cultural phenomenon, but had 630 home runs and had 99.3% of the votes 
for him to become the first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't know who the hell didn't vote for him as a first ballot Hall of Famer. They need to be the strict of their right to vote mm-hmm. in the baseball Hall of Fame because he's definitely first ballot. Now, maybe it's because they have precedence of not voting anybody in first ballot Hall of Fame and mm-hmm. baseball voters kind of get kind of crazy like that. But to me, that's just an indication that they no longer need to vote for a baseball Hall of Fame. Acuna is, you listen, I looked at his stats and everything. It's comparable to what Griffey had, you know, starting off. But in Griffey's career, Danny, he had more than moments offensively. One thing to keep in mind, in 97, he had 56 home runs. He backed it up in 98 with another 56 home runs. They have 48 home runs in 99. I don't know if Acuna's going to do that. We don't know. But that sweet swing says it all, man. But let me just say, he did that offensively, but defensively, man, he had highlights out of this world in the center field, Danny. You talking about overall catches, and oh my gosh. Things that he did on the field cannot be duplicated. Kuna, he's having a great career so far, but I got to go with Griffey. Because I can tell this same story with this card moving forward. And he earned the 99.3% of the first ballot Hall of Fame should have been unanimous, um, which would have made him the first unanimous voter, but uh, Hall of Famer on the first ballot. But I got to go with Griffey. Who you got, Danny? That card, the over deck card. Remember back in the day, you got your hands on that one. That was a great upper deck. That was a great card, rookie that card. card. That was hard. Yeah, and like you said, Griffey, offensively, defensively, and it was always a shame that they never won it all. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I just – that team was great. They just mm-hmm. They just couldn't get over the hump for whatever reason. Griffey himself, man, like you said, he was – and all you talk about pressure for him to come in. His dad was a major leaguer, and for him to come in and transcend the game the way he did in the era he was playing in, and all the questions too, because you know he was playing with Bonds and all those guys. Mm-hmm. So that was always hanging around, and to play through all that and do what he did, his career was amazing. Acuna. I'm looking at on the upside, this kid can play. And if he can stay healthy, he can have similar numbers over time, depending on, how, you know, longevity, of course. But the way he attacks the game and the threat he is for Atlanta in the leadoff spot, he, he's he's tough, man. Looking at the value of the card, this one will make an exception because that upper deck card was one of my favorite cards. If it was not that card, if it was, say, the Topps card or the the rated rookie card but Dunruss, I'm definitely taking Ronald Acuna's card. But in this case, I'm going nostalgic here. I'm going to go with the 1989 Upper Deck rookie card as well just because not necessarily the value of the card, but just what it brings back and 
we both talked about what Ken Griffey meant to the game. And I think his card actually should be valued higher. Honestly, I think it's, it's not valued appropriately. Um, so that's where I, I struggle from the card perspective. I'm like, dang, that Acuna Jr. Panini Prism, whoo, the way he playing and what his trajectory is, definitely a card I want in my portfolio. But in this case, I'm going to take Ken Griffey's card. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.